This is the Matt Townsend Show. What creates higher trust for you and the people around you? Your guide on the side. And a lot of us end up spending our entire life searching for what we expect instead of what has actually been given to us. Dr. Matt Townsend. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm Leanna Tan, here to give you some of Matt's best tidbits to help you live healthier, happier lives. Last night, I'm pretty sure many of you were busy intently listening to or watching the election coverage. This is a pretty cool time in our nation when we get to watch this process unfold of the leaders of our country and our communities being chosen. I hope as you were casting your vote these past few weeks that you were taking into consideration who could actually be good leaders to the people in your community and to your family. But I think sometimes that is difficult. It can be really hard to decipher good leadership. A lot of times people pick leaders because they look the strongest or they are a specific gender or race or they have the loudest voice or the most qualifications on their resume or the most experience. But what really makes a good leader? I want to focus on this topic today and have some experts help us answer these questions. So to start off today's episode, I want to play a portion of an interview with John Gordon. He says that one thing that makes a great leader is positivity. So in this part of the interview, he shares a few basic skills that bring about the power of positive leadership. Talk about um, how we how we do this. So it's you know it's it's one thing I guess to kind of have the emotion of positivity and or just to maybe even be optimistic. But but you're also talking about building a culture and um, strengthening relationships, but about visioning and creating goals together. And so how, how what are some basic skills that we could all start learning um, about bringing the positivity into our lives? Well, the book is not just theory and principles. It, there are a lot of practices in the book. can't share too much because I want people to read it and benefit from it, but I do want to share some good takeaways for people today that they can actually start right now and for instance, when you want to share vision with your team and organization, a powerful way to do that is to, to share the vision, talk about the vision, even come together as a team and decide what the vision is, and then ask each person on your team what the vision means to them. And then what's their personal vision? And how could their personal vision contribute to this bigger vision? And then you ask them, how can I help you achieve your vision? That simple conversation actually brings vision to life in your people and then provides a way for you all to work together towards it. And they also know that you care about them. So that's a powerful exercise people can do. But by the way, that, and that could work with everybody, right? That could work with me and my, you know, someone that I go to church with or somebody that I, I you know, I'm just mentoring or, or yeah. I mean, when you ask him, what can I do to help you, you know, reach your goals? That's powerful. Very powerful. I mean, that is a great way to disciple people, mentor people, invest in relationships with people. See, positive leaders, they unite the organization, but they also connect with the individual. So a big chapter in this book, it's the longest chapter, is about investing in relationships that really build great teams. And that's one of the practices that you can do to do that. And also, my favorite exercise to build a team is is called the safe seat. Dabo Sweeney put a chair in the middle of a team meeting room, called it a safe seat. And every day after practice, a different player would sit in that chair, and Dabo would ask him about his life, about his hero, his hardship, a highlight, and then a defining moment in his life. And as each person sat in that chair and shared who they were, the team got closer and closer because 
the walls of pride and ego and selfishness came crumbling down and they became vulnerable. And then there became this incredible connection and love for each other because they knew the struggles that they had faced. They knew their stories. They knew their defining moments. So that's a really powerful wow. practice. My favorite is when, yeah, when, when teams go around, you just grab a group of five or six, even a small team. Hey, what's one of your defining moments in your life that made you who you are today? You get to know your team a whole lot better when you do that. And by, what a great interview question, too. I mean, even though that's not a safe seat in a brand new interview and a job, but if you could get your team together sharing, you know, what are your most incredible moments, your most impactful moments, and do that over time in your team meetings, that could change a lot. Oh, very much so. I mean, it's, it's huge. And then encouragement. I mean, positive leaders, they encourage their team members. They love them. They serve them. They invest in them. They care about them. I call it love, serve, care. I wrote a book called The Carpenter. The love, serve, care comes from that. I wove that in this book as well. It's cool stuff. What? Um, and again, the relationship thing. I think that that's what we fail to see in a business environment because you know my, the relationship is almost upside down because we're not equals. I'm your boss. I'm here to hire you. But in a real relationship, we have to be on the same level emotionally in order to share and to be vulnerable. Yeah, we have to be someone who, who actually serves the people you lead and invests in a relationship with them. And it's not their job to serve you. It's your job to serve them. But as you do that, they grow, and then they help you grow. And then it's also about you know investing in the root of the tree if you want the fruit. We live in a world that everyone wants to focus on the numbers and the outcome and the fruit. But if you invest in the fruit and not the root, the tree will die. Mm. But focus on the root. And you'll always have a great supply of fruit. You you mentioned in there a goal that there's kind of there's o- there's always this goal this one goal when it comes to positive leaders about uh, people performing at their personal best. Um, w- talk about that and why. I mean, because again, you can only ask them to do what they can do, but a lot of times yep. we're not focused on that. No, I call it love tough instead of tough love. So if your team knows you love them and care about them, they'll allow you to push them and challenge them to grow. So a positive leader brings out the best in the people they lead. Again, you can't drive anyone else's bus, right? They have to be the driver of their own bus. I wrote a book, The Energy Bus. But they have to make sure that they're, you know, if if they're being their best or striving to be their best, you can help them on the journey. Or maybe they're just struggling with fear. Maybe they're not their best because it looks like they're being lazy, but actually maybe they're scared. Maybe they're afraid. Maybe there's something holding them back. So identifying what's holding them back, helping them move forward, they know you care about them. That's key. I, I talked to a lot of metal coaches you know, that will reach out to me who work with teams and so forth, and I say, you know, the greatest strategy you can share with someone is not some kind of mental strategy to help them be great. It's actually the love that you have for the player that you're coaching. Right. It's that relationship right. that actually truly drives motivation. That's cool. Does um, and, and you it's interesting with your energy bus book um, because part of this is about energy too, right? I mean, positivity is an energy. And if Very you you, you so. could actually then invigorate which you see a lot of uh, companies and organizations, they just are they're just disengaged. They're just out of they're just empty. They're out of energy. Yeah, it's why you know, Energy Bus is my most popular book. It sold over a million copies and was rejected by 30 publishers when it first came out. So I had to stay a lot, stay very positive during that time. It took it five or six years for it to become a, a big hit. You know, it took me a while to, 
share this message around the country. But what I realized and the reason why it spread so fast is because there's so much negativity in organizations, because there's such a lack of, of energy and there's a lot of apathy and indifference. So this book is like a follow-up to that. It's all of the lessons I've learned the past 10 years since that book's been out. It's been out since 2007. Wow. And so I've learned, I've learned so many lessons along this journey with the leaders who have done it and what they've done and how they've done it. So this is sort of like, here's what leaders do to build their teams with energy, but more practices and more expertise that I've learned along the way. Mm. As, uh, as, we, as we need to wrap up, what would you say is the one thing, if, if there's one thing that we should all take away uh, from the book, The Power of Positive Leadership, something that we could do today, uh, other than, I guess, go buy the book, what could we do today? to immediately find that leadership. Say, I wasn't going to say that. Yeah. I wasn't going to say that, but, I'm, but thank you. But I think it's about, you know, being a positive leader just doesn't just make you better. It makes everyone around you better. And that's a key thing to know that just by you working on your own positive leadership, you will impact the people around you. So what can you do today? You could do something that enhances your optimism, your positivity, the way you feel. I believe you can take a thank you walk and just walk around the building, walk around outside, and just think about what you're thankful for in that moment. I believe you could start a success journal at night. What went great today? Not all the things that went wrong, but what's the one thing that went right? Or maybe you can find one person that's, that's down right now, and you can encourage them. Just reach out to them and just share some encouragement. I find that as leaders, when we invest in others and help others improve, we improve. When we encourage others, we're also bringing out the best within us. Good stuff. Good stuff. John Gordon is name is his name. The Power of Positive Leadership is uh, is a, a wonderful book. You can go and start looking into. Just go to johngordon.com, A great place to begin. Plus the Energy Bus and other books that he's written. It's about positivity and really, and it's about leadership. Um, and not just like you said, not to be Pollyanna-ish, but we all know who's positive around us, and we all know what energy they're bringing. And we want to be with them, we want to be like them, and we're willing to follow them. Remember, are you a leader if no one's following? And if no one's uh, taking you seriously or, or actually willing to, to be there for you. So interesting stuff, folks. Helping you be the good in the world. We will take a break, come back, and continue the journey uh, here in this crazy thing we call life. Stick with us. show selection season and we just watched last night part of the process of electing our nation's leaders so we're talking about what makes a good leader hopefully our national leaders and our community leaders will possess some of these skills we just finished an interview with john gordon about the power of positive leadership two things i really liked that he talked about was one the power of creating and sharing a unified vision with your team or the people you're working with and two to love tough. He said that if your team or your family or community or nation or whatever group looks up to you knows that you love them, they will allow you to push them and to challenge them. We've hopefully all seen and had leaders like this before, but I think one thing that turns people away from 
politics in general and voting and being engaged in the country's election process is that people lose trust. They've seen it over and over again where even the greatest and most admirable leaders fall. They get entangled in the pressure and the glam and glory of everything and they forget what it means to be a good leader. Why does this happen time and time again? And is there a way to be a great leader without being sideswept by power? I want to discuss this for the rest of the episode. I really liked this interview Matt did with Stephen Mundahl about authentic leadership. So I'm going to play it back for you and listen to what Stephen says is the formula for making sure you don't fall as a leader. This is, I think, it's such a, it's such an interesting topic. Just, you know, it seems like every month we have another kind of fallen leader. In fact, even on my drive here today, I was thinking, are, are any leaders, you know, going to stick it out and make it work? I mean, it seems like even the greatest fall eventually. Is, is, are we just pessimistic? Are we negative? Or is there something about being a leader that might set you up to be more prone to fall? Well, that's a great question, and it's a, a pretty loaded question, actually. There, you know, uh, leadership can be defined in a lot of different ways, and, and it's not really a, a position that we hold. And I think people just really need to understand that I have known a whole lot of company leaders and school leaders and church leaders that really aren't very good leaders. Hmm. Uh, yet I've known a lot of moms and dads who are great leaders. Yeah, so, right. It's really, a, it's really a state of being, isn't it? It's yeah. not a position at all. It's kind of a, a place that we all need to be, and we all need to be comfortable with our, own, with our own skin. If we're not, what happens is that sometimes power, uh, position, can kind of go to our heads, and we can start doing some stupid things. We're all capable of it. We yeah. are all capable of it. It seems like we, we kind of get to this state of mind where we think it was actually us that was, the, you know, we're the ones that made the difference. We were the key, and it's like the minute you start buying into you, uh, instead of the fact that you know you all these people helped you, people are you can't be a leader without people following. I'm assuming, and um, or at least getting some buy-in from people. But the minute you forget the people, you're gone. Well, you're absolutely right, and and again, uh, oftentimes there is this kind of this inflated ego that we get that we're somehow. Uh, important people, or that we have this kind of false sense of self-importance. You see it a lot in Hollywood. You certainly see it in politics. Uh, you see it in sports. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to be the best right. uh, and wanting to be wanting to be very good at what we do. Uh, we, but there is a there's a, a very very slight seduction that often happens when we do get into these positions, and sometimes we really can get seduced by the little bit of power that we think we might have. Why? So, what is it then that you see as an expert, like a leadership expert, that lead? What else leads to this fall from grace? Well, we've did, we did a lot of research for this book, and basically, um, you know, we all come from uh, childhood with 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 unhealed uh, beliefs about ourselves, our beliefs about the world, um, and they can really get exacerbated when we get into positions of power. Uh, we also um, have genetic fault lines. Uh, I certainly come from a family where there was alcohol tendencies, and uh, and so these are the kind of things that we really have to, to to watch out for. A good example is going on in Toronto, Canada, yeah. right now with Rob Ford, the mayor there, who he certainly didn't fall because uh, he's mayor. Right. He fell way before he became mayor. <laughs> he's just a public figure now. Yeah. So. 
you know, it, just because we take on the position doesn't mean that we that we somehow fall once we get there. We probably have fell long before that. It's just that we're now in the public eye. Uh, so there's a lot of pressures, and, and certainly there is a lot of pressure to being a leader that uh, other people might not necessarily have, and and we can we can succumb to all those uh, all those fall lines. Well, and it seems like you know if you're making decisions every day. That's got to take a toll on you, and especially making or, you know, being in important meetings and positions, you know, it seems like it would just drain you emotionally. And, and then all of a sudden, at the end of the day, your emotional strength is somewhat drained and then other stuff starts to happen. It, well, that's true, but you know, I kind of look at it like this: it's really not a—it's not a position of power. And and the minute we try to try to harness power for our own uses, it starts going haywire. Yeah, uh, I like to think that the the best leaders are the ones who really practice uh, a servant leadership. They actually give their position, uh, the power of their position, away to other people. And what happens is you have a very strong team around you that steps up, and all of a sudden you now have several leaders, several strong leaders, not just not just one. And you know, I think the focus in our book, Matt, has been that this isn't a position. Leadership is not something we attain someday. Leadership is something that we need to attain right now, today. And we need to, uh, we, you know, if we're not going to lead our own lives, who is going to? Right. And we have to get past this idea that, oh, I was born on the wrong side of the tracks, mm-hmm. or I'm a victim of this or that, or I'll never be rich. These are, um, you know, these are fallacies in, in our thinking that maybe were planted in us very, very early in life. Uh, and we need to kind of reprogram a lot of that stuff so that we can become the best leaders in, in, in our own lives. And that's really the key to, I think, to, to I agree. Leadership. It seems like that, that paradigm about leadership changes things. If everyone's a leader, then you're not just born into it. You, it just doesn't matter what your last name is. It's not your, it's not the school you go to per se. It's every dad is leading their family. Every mom is a leader in the family. Everybody has a role to play. And we all really have a following we should be answering to. Well, if, if, if everybody could embrace that uh, very sentence, I think we'd all be in better in better place, wouldn't we? Because yeah. we've all worked for people, men and women, who just do not um, who just do not demonstrate good leadership skills. They they have short fuses. They they favor one person over another. They think that they're important. This isn't leadership at all. Right. And and oftentimes um, leadership, we kind of believe that leadership will find you when you start embracing the characteristics of good leadership. Hmm. And and that is a lot of different things in life, but basically it's really kind of standing on the ethical foundation of who you are, being honest, um, speaking uh, with a certain amount of, of caring, and no matter what you do, no matter if you're leader of a company, the leader of the church, the leader of school, or the leader of your family, um, that is something that we all just need to learn. It isn't a position. Right state of being. Well, and, and, the, and the positions can come and go. If it's about a position, the minute you lose your position, you're done. Exactly. You, you've lost so, your power source. A lot of retired people, you know, that they, 
they, their business card said that they were somebody kind of important, and all of a sudden retirement comes in. Now they don't have that business card, that, that little thing that they can kind of hang from their shoulders. You know, and I see it all around me. I see young working moms who are working hard for their children every single day, uh, you know, taxing kids all over the place, being on the PTA, doing all the things that they need to do, living an ethical, clean life. This is true leadership. And sooner or later, these individuals will rise to the top, um, not because of uh, what, not because of a position that they hold, but because of who they are. Yeah, I love that. In your book, you talk about hedonic uh, adaptation. You know, big words, but basically adapting to your pleasure and excitement of something. Talk about that a minute. To me, that's a fascinating concept. It is kind of a neat concept, and it's kind of a fa- it's kind of a fancy word that really just describes the fact that no matter what we do, after a while, the the high of doing it sort of wears off. So think of uh, think of that relationship, that special relationship that you're in. Oftentimes, the first year or two are absolutely great. We're just we're just roller coastering on this great high of of love and attraction. And then after usually a couple of years, and sometimes it can be less, and this also is true in our in our jobs and in the positions that we hold in life, um, things start to kind of wear off, and so the yeah. novelty wears off. Now, this is, a, this is something that is a human condition, so I, I want your listeners to really understand that, that, this, uh, that this phenomena happens to all of us. And, of course, the key is that we have to, after a couple of years, we have to start, we have to start working on some new behaviors with our relationship or some, some new ways of looking at things to keep it fresh, hmm. to keep it lively, and, and to keep it exciting for us so we don't fall into that grass on the, is greener on the other side type well, of Well, yeah, think of that in your marriage or just raising your family. I mean, eventually families aren't just cute. You know, eventually they're costly, <laughs> they're exhausting, and they're, you know, they're all of these other things. But so if, if, if that excitement level wears off and you can go find something more exciting, that's there, – there's the killer of being a leader. A leader would be sticking to the decision – long after the emotion of the decision has passed, right? The character. Very, 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 very solid advice. And, you know, you've, you've heard of the terrible twos for children. Yeah. A lot of this is the fact that we get tired as parents. Oh, and so all of a sudden our kids now <laughs> enter into this terrible two age. Actually, a lot of it is just the fact that the novelty of having these young children is beginning to wear off, <laughs> beginning to wear us down. And this is true of anything that we do in life. And it's certainly true of our jobs, of our special relationships, of our friends. We really have to dig deep and to work on novel ways to keep excitement in, in what we do. And, and this is a real key attribute of, of real successful leaders. Sure. Well, that's powerful. So A, recognize, you know, the excitement's going to wane a little bit. So, but you can also make it more exciting by just upping your skill set in, in whatever you're doing, in whatever you're, wherever you're practicing your leadership, or testing yourself more, or learning and growing. You can intentionally make it more interesting. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you see a lot of this in the fitness center. You know, come January 1st, we all make these great resolutions. We're going to go out yeah. and drop a few pounds. And what happens? It doesn't take two years. Oftentimes it can take two weeks, you yeah. know, or less. And, and, and the thought and the excitement of it wears off, and we lose track of, of the goal. We lose track of the, of the end goal that we, we originally had in mind. And somehow successful leaders of all walks of life can somehow get there, and they can get there through that, 
you know, that, that, that time of, oh, this is hard work. I've got to get up at 5 o'clock every day and go to do this. Uh, but it's worth it. The end product is worth it. And, and, you know, a lot of great leaders, they find ways to get through that. And I'm talking about parents. I'm talking about anybody right. that, that can do this um, because it is, it is really a, a, an attribute of, of successful people. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting. We I think when we think of leaders, we think of presidents, you know, university presidents. But humans are supposed to be leaders, and you know, pleasure and excitement will wane in anything you're doing, whether it's your job, your role as a mother, father, or your marriage. We, but we've got to pick up the game. Another idea that you you've kind of alluded to throughout the conversation so far is this idea. And sometimes we get it just when you're given the role as a leader that you are so important. So it's this this unchecked self-importance where you get this concept that you are the bomb and every, and you're you deserve so much from everyone else. Um, isn't it kind of sad? You know, you, you see it on reality TV a lot, don't you? Yeah. With, uh, not to drop a lot of names, but like the Kardashians or whatever the yeah. kind of case is. Well, I'm important because now I have a name or I have a title. And, and boy, this is really a, a very subtle seduction. And, a, and in a lot of ways, people can start going down these very risky roads of all the overs in our life, overspending, overeating, overshopping, uh, you know, abusing alcohol, whatever the kind of things, because we somehow think, well, I can, I can handle it. I, I, can, I can handle high speeds on the road because, well, I'm kind of an important well, person. Well, you're different, right. I'm different. And, 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 you know, this is really that very, very soft seduction that, that we all kind of fall into. And, uh, and, and we really have to be able to navigate out of that. Yeah, <laughs> you I know, that. we are all important, every yeah. single one of us. And, and let's, let's check our importance at the door when we walk out during the day. It's, it's good to have a good self, uh, self, healthy self-esteem, but let's not take it to yeah. Love that. Uh, we're talking again about a book by Stephen Mundahl. Um, it's called Alchemy of Authentic Leadership. He's teaching us the principles of being a true blue authentic leader in your life, in your family, of your organizations, wherever you have influence. Uh, two big keys so far, though. You know, the, the excitement's going to wane. Prepare for it. Try to always find other ways to make it in a healthy way more exciting. And watch out for being uh, too into yourself. You know, you're not all that in a bag of chips. We're going to take a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Continue talking about authentic leadership right here on BYU Radio. I'm Leanna Tan, and this is the Matt Townsend Show. We're listening to an interview with Stephen Mundahl about what it means to be an authentic leader. One thing I liked that he said is that leadership doesn't mean position. It's a state of being. So we are all leaders, not just the people elected standing behind the pulpit. We each are responsible for our own sphere, and we each have a role to play and a following we need to respond to. Whether that's your kids or your church congregation or your neighbors or students or coworkers, every one of us has the opportunity and responsibility. But do we really understand what leadership means? 
Dr. Mandal told us that assertive leadership means giving power to others, and the reason our leaders fall over and over again is because this idea of self-importance starts getting to them. It really is difficult for people to keep the true concept of leadership at the forefront of their decisions. It's not about you and how powerful or mighty you can get. It's about lifting those around you. And I like how he said that leadership isn't something that you attain someday that you wish you could be. You can start being a leader today. Now let's continue listening to this interview where Dr. Mandal gives us a few things we should be aware of in leadership. To me, um, I just I think it's so important that we know some of these little subtle things that happen. What are some more behaviors we should be avoiding? or watching out for to make sure that whatever we're doing, we don't fall from the perch, right? We don't lose our, our status as, a, as a, you know, a moral, authentic, healthy leader. Well, that's a great question, and I think uh, there's, there's a lot of uh, very, very good answers. One of them is that we need to start living life with a good balance in it. And when I'm talking about balance, we take readers in our book through six in our rooms, and, and we talk about your talk, we talk about your relationships, we talk about your career, your family, your physical and emotional health. Oh, we also talk about leisure, having fun. Mm. And oftentimes when we get out of balance, um, usually working two jobs or, and sometimes, you know, sometimes we can't help it. I, I, I get that. But oftentimes when we get out of balance, this is when our life starts to spiral out of control because it, it has kind of this domino effect. We, we start down a wrong road and all of a sudden we find ourselves uh, not taking good calculated risk in mm. life, but we find ourselves taking real risky types of, of behaviors. That's and, interesting. And oftentimes, and you can talk to anybody, but, but people who are outed uh, will always honestly tell you that it was an inside job. Nobody did it to them. Yeah. It wasn't anybody else's fault. It's always an inside job. That's Isn't that? And it's interesting because sometimes we we argue and make arguments for why we're so busy and why we're stretched so thin. But in the end, what I'm hearing is it doesn't matter why you're stretched thin. It's it's going to it's going to wear you down. It's going to create opportunities for the fall. You're right, and you know if you don't get enough sleep, if you don't have a, a, a fairly balanced diet, you know a good a good phenomenon that we talk about on the book is something called the domino effect, where you stay up a little too late at night uh, watching BYU basketball or whatever the yeah. case might be. And and all of a sudden you wake up the next morning you've maybe had a, a few things that you shouldn't have had and ate a little bit too much and you you sleep late you grab a donut rather than having a good breakfast you you rush to work you get into a place now and all of a sudden one of the most important things might in life might happen to you at the very at that very moment uh, first thing in the morning mm. it could be a new relationship it could be an important decision and now you're running on bad nutrition, yeah. no sleep, and anxiety from having to rush about. And we just don't make good decisions under those circumstances. And then one begets another, and that begets another, and next thing you know, you're and in rehab you know, and you're, you're exhausted. you fall or you do something really stupid. Yeah. And these are the, you know, again, I, it, it should go without saying that one should live a pretty balanced life. In my life, I make sure every single day that I take a walk, and, it's, and I, I might... I might tell myself a story. I might yeah. tell the, the woods around me a story. 
But whatever the case might be, we've got to find a way to get back to our core being and get away from the rush and and hustle and bustle of life. And again, I understand that people really are stressed, in particular during this time of year. It's a, it's a very, very stressful time. But we have to be able to find a way to de-stress. We have to be able to find a way so that we can get back and make really good decisions in life and, and, and stay in that, in that good leadership role that all of us are capable of being. Hmm. Talk about the amygdala attack, uh, the, that fight-or-flight part of our brain. Because, I mean, we, we get hijacked a lot by a part of our brain that I don't think most of us are even aware of. I mean, we feel it every day. But how does the amygdala take over and maybe well, generate some pretty bad choices? It can make really bad choices. The amygdala is a part of our brain set up, and it's a part of our brain. What happens is is that when we get under very high stressful situations, uh, everybody has heard of the the acronym fight, uh, fight, flight, or freeze. Mm-hmm. And what happens is that this part of the brain now goes into a survival mode, and everything about us now goes into uh, look, I'm in crisis. I have to. I have to uh, survive. I'll do whatever I can to do that. It could be fighting. It could be fleeing, or it could be absolutely be frozen uh, and not being able to do anything. And I'm sure all of us have had a moment or two in our life where this has actually happened. And it is a phenomenon that happens under high stress. You get cut off in traffic, and what happens? Some people get enraged. Oh yeah. And for the next hour or two, I mean, they might run, drive after this person down the road, or they. I'm going to get them. Yeah, right. I'm going to. And you know, the truth is that 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 behavior is totally wrong. No question about that. But somebody else does not have to ruin your day. And when you put your foot down and you say, "No, I'm not going to let somebody else ruin my day," uh, I'm I'm sorry. God bless you, and then I hope that you don't get in a wreck someplace. But uh, I'm going to get myself back to a place where I can be at peace with my drive to work, and um, and that's an important it's an important place to go, not to that hijacking where the where the the brain actually hijacks reason. We want to get right back to that that good place of, of good. Love reason. it. We're going to be right back. More from Stephen Mundahl, Alchemy of Authentic Leadership. That's his book, The Alchemy of Authentic Leadership. Uh, we're going to wrap it up after this break, but he's got some great points. You know, the things to watch out for, the tenets of authentic leadership when we come back. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. back with the rest of today's Matt Townsend episode. We've come upon the heart of the season where our local and national leaders are engaging in this process of election. So today we've been talking all about leadership. We're listening to expert Stephen Mundahl, and in the last segment, he brought up some really interesting concepts about leadership. He mentioned the importance of good balance in life and of monitoring your balance in six different areas, your career, family, physical and emotional health, your relationships, and your leisure time. I really like this principle because I think a lot of times we think of great leaders as those people who live and breathe their passion, who focus in on one thing and are so expert in that one thing that we can trust them fully. But that doesn't always equate good leadership. 
And a higher position doesn't exempt you from needing to find balance in your life. And actually, if you keep balance, you'll find that you can better help and lift those around you, which is really what the essence of leadership is all about. So I want to finish up this interview because Dr. Mandal has some really intriguing points coming up. In this last segment, he's going to really get to the heart of authentic leadership and tell us specific things we can do to become authentic leaders and live balanced lives in all aspects. So uh, as we're wrapping this up, um, we know there's a bunch of problems, right? There's, it's, we fall into the fact that our fight or flight kicks in. Sometimes we just start piling on problems by not dealing with them. Um, but overall, what, what are we supposed to do to stop it? How do we truly become authentic as a leader? And I guess also, who are we becoming authentic to? Like to me, having some you know, sense of a religious paradigm and a belief in a higher power keeps me in check a lot. I mean, not as much as I probably need to be, but it keeps me in check. So to me, being authentic is being authentic to my higher beliefs, my higher values. Is that what authentic leadership means? Well, it certainly means a lot of things to a lot of people. I totally agree with you, Matt. I mean, for me, uh, my ethical foundation is everything that I stand on. Mm. And if we don't have that really strong foundation of what life means to us, what it means to be a good person, why we should strive for that, you know, then the obvious question starts to be asked, well, if there's nothing to live for, why not just go for it? And so we have that around us. Uh, There's an acronym that we use in our book, and it's simply called RULER. And and this is uh, like the the ruler that we use uh, on our desk. Mm -hmm. And and what, what, I, what we talk about is that if we can name these thieves in our life that, that take our power, that, that take our emotions, that, that, that take our willpower, if we can name them, we can tame them. And the ruler stands for recognize these things in yourself. Try to understand them, why, where they come from, what they do to you. Try to label them. Try to express them in your life. And then try to regulate them. Mm. And... This is really just about self-empowerment. This is, this is all about becoming the best leader that you can be in your own life. And I firmly believe that if you become the leader, other people around you will recognize that and they'll ask you to be the leader in, in many different settings. Is, isn't so, that moral? That's what moral authority is, right? I, I believe it's the highest authority yeah. in our life. It absolutely is. And, and, and you know, you could almost say that that very powerful people get outed because this is a part of their own healing. And sometimes it takes what it takes. And you can talk to people in prison, you can talk to people who have been outed on the front page of the newspaper, and, and really honest people will tell you, Matt, gee, it was the best thing that ever happened mm. to me at the time. And, and that, can be, that can be a divorce, that can be a marriage, it can be a lot of different things 
but oftentimes maybe maybe our soul just just asks us to be outed so that we'll finally yeah. learn some of these valuable lessons in life and then get on with being a better person no, so really. you can make a strong you can make a strong uh, statement about the fact that maybe it's just a way that that our higher being uh, does it so that that it can heal us uh, once and for all. That seems like uh, that, that's probably a really good indicator of where someone is in the healing process. If they if they actually are truly grateful they were outed, they're probably on their way to healing. And if they're you know, still remember, ticked about it, like ah, yeah. it's a horrible thing. Yeah. nobody should you be out. Nobody should be on the front page of the newspaper. But if it takes that, right. You know, I remember the. I remember reading in 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 the AA book, Bill, the the writer and the founder of AA. I don't even know his last name, but he. I don't even know if he had one, but yeah. but he said that he finally got sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you reach the bottom of the bottom, and you might have listeners right now that are in the bottom of the bottom, then all of a sudden you realize nobody's put you there. Nobody really has put you there except the decisions that you have made to date. And you can start making some better decisions tomorrow, and, it, and, it, and it's painful, and nobody wants to do it, but it's the, it's the best and easiest way to get back into becoming the leader of your own life. I love that. Isn't that powerful? That's why, by the way, nobody in AA has a last name. Come on, Steve. Oh, there you go. <laughs> we don't use last name. But um, that's what's so funny. I do a lot of work, uh, not a lot, but I do some work at the prison in Utah. And that's it. Once, once these people have that spirit of, I, I, was, I was tired of being tired, and I'm, you know, and then they start to change. They start to take it on. You teach that there are seven tenets uh, to authentic leadership. Why don't you walk us through what those seven tenets are? Because to me, these are like the core principles. Some of them you've already mentioned, but let's let's get through them because I, and you've got, you know, we have about eight or nine minutes to do that, but... What are the the tenets, the rules, the well? These, paradigms? you know, Matt, Matt, these are these are things that were very important to me in life, and the reason that I put them in my book is because they've just been the guiding principles of my life. So, uh, if if they're meaningful to others, that would be simply great. And they're in no particular order. But the first one is, is that we are all connected. And I love this. I love the 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 idea. You know, in our in our body, we have anywhere from seventy five to a hundred trillion cells. Hmm. And, and the hair cell will never meet a toenail cell. But somehow, they know that they're connected, and somehow they all work to make a yeah. human being. And you know, the whole world, I think, works the same way. And, and by the fact that we are all connected, if we truly believe that nobody's out to get us, we are all intimately connected, it would be the end of war. It would be the end of strife. It would be the end of complaining, because... Yeah. We're all deeply, deeply connected. You don't see the hand beat up the hair or the head. You know, you see it beating up someone else's head. But our bo- and the amazing thing about our body's connections is they're, they're all happening without us consciously doing it. Absolutely. I couldn't run my body for, for one half a second. <laughs> it would fall apart, no doubt That's of it. That's right. So, you know, I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not professing any, any particular... Uh, in any particular line of, of faith, all I'm just saying is, is that who runs this body? It, it, right. it isn't me. So consequently, there's a higher, there's a higher authority in my life, and that authority allows me to be connected with everybody around me. And that really is a. It begins that when we start thinking like that, we start treating people 
differently and better. Right. And, and instead of walking by somebody and, and just ignoring them, a little hello, uh, an act of kindness, those are all the things that keep us deeply connected. Hmm. What was number Second two? Number two. Love, uh, this is my favorite one. I think lately, this is what. Uh, well, just go. This is where humans need to be. Well, the second one that I wrote is that try to live in the present moment. Um, you know, if, if, if we can, the past is yesterday. The past is gone. The mistakes we made, they're done. Uh, and tomorrow hasn't happened. So try to live just in this present moment. Everything happens in this very moment right now. So you can, you can make a decision and, and fly with that decision. Uh, and, and it happens because it's in the present moment. So whatever you can do, arrest your mind, take your mind, and take it from the past, take it from the future, and just try to breathe in this very special moment that we're given. Mm-hmm. Because there isn't, there isn't a, an infinite number of them in this physical body that we have. And it's just something that I live by simply because it's very important for me uh, to try to stay present. I had a, somebody tell me the other day how horrible they think the holidays are and how they dread the upcoming Christmas season. Now, that's somebody who's had a bad past, apparently, and is now already regretting, or like, uh, not regretting, but, you know, bemoaning the fact of the coming future. So that's somebody that's probably not living today. They've lived the past Christmas and the future one that's coming, but they're not there today. Well, you're absolutely right. And, and even worse... If if you take that that idea of dread going forward, guess what? Guess what comes to you? Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it says in the Bible, as you sow, so shall you reap. And 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 the truth of the matter is, is that the, the thoughts we we sow today, oftentimes are are the actions that come tomorrow. So be very very careful what you wish for, because they actually might might come true. Right. Totally. Number three was live in balance. You've talked about that a bit. Yeah, I, I think there. We have talked about this, and 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 this is the balance of of not overdoing in any area of our life. Stopping and having some fun, stopping and making sure that we breathe and eat right. But the most important thing to me is every single morning, my wife and I have a spiritual time together before I go off to work and before she goes off to work. We have just sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's thirty minutes. However, whatever time we get up, but it has really become the foundation of my whole life simply because. It is the grounding time, hmm. grounding time, so that if I do get a cut off in traffic, um, it, it doesn't throw my whole day off. Uh, it might throw me off for a minute or two, but then I get back to what is important, and that is to treat people with kindness and respect. And as I walk into my office, I want to make sure that, I, that I'm the very best leader of that day that I can be. And that is empowering other people and making other people feel that they are very special. Oh, I love that. Awesome. Uh, number four, there are only lessons. Yeah, so whatever happens to you, uh, these are the decisions that you made. Perhaps you might think that, you know, that, that, uh, that the world somehow beat you up on this particular thing, situation. But whatever has happened to you, we can, if we take it and, and look at it as a learning opportunity, all of a sudden the, 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 you know, it changes, and, and it's not a malady that happened to us. It's a learning opportunity. Yeah. So 
if we look at whatever we've done in life, we can look at it and say, okay, I did that. I remember when Reese Witherspoon got caught. Uh, she, she, she and her husband had a little bit too much to drink, and they kind of chewed out the policeman. And you know what she did, unlike a lot of other leaders who get caught, she started going on the talk shows and saying, you know, I was really stupid. I oh, did a I really dumb act. I apologize. We should, we should really honor our law enforcement. And I really thought, now there's somebody who they made a mistake. But they learned their lesson yeah. and they're moving on. Yeah, I forgot. Hers was a speeding ticket. Um, and the funny thing about that is people just let that go. I mean, that's an example. If you'll fall on it, take it as a learning experience, be real, be connected, be present, own it. People will forgive you for your fall. They really will. Great point. They really will forgive it. We live in this great society that people will give you a second chance. And, you know, if, if President Bill Clinton would have just said, look, I've got a sexual addiction problem. I've mm-hmm. got a little, I've got a problem, and, I, and I, want, I want to go out and help men and women everywhere with this situation. Instead of trying to deny it, yeah. he could have really done some great, great work yeah. with that whole situation that he was in had he and everybody else uh, looked at it as an opportunity uh, and as a learning lesson, something that we can learn from and move on from. But the yeah. more we deny it, the more we bury it, the more it will come back. Tr- well, the more, the less we'll trust you. And so the <laughs> less we trust totally you, true. the more we're going to keep hounding and looking for more. I mean, and, it's, it's and, interesting. And isn't that what happened? They yeah. wanted his neck, and, and, and rightfully so. Right, That's hundreds of millions of dollars or whatever to investigate him. I always look at that and I think, man, if somebody spent $100 million to investigate me, what would they find? <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> well, and, 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 and the truth is they found all of his dirty laundry, and it would have really been the right thing to do. People would have probably forgiven him, but it would have been the right thing to do to say, yeah. look, I've got a problem. I'm going to get help for this problem, but even more so, I'm the president of the United States, and I'm going to go out and try to help everybody else with this problem. Yeah. Because the truth is... That, you know, with pornography and all the kinds of distractions we have in our life, and this affects kids at a very, very young age, and it affects adults at a very old yeah. age. And it's something that, is, that can be broken. It is a cycle that can be broken once we learn the lesson that, look, it's just taking us down the wrong road. I love it. And, and we just got to get back on the high road. It, that's the high road. So that's the fifth point was live on the higher road. That's what you're saying is turn it to the higher purpose, turn it, turn whatever's going on to a higher purpose. Yeah, and, and, and all the decisions we make, the higher road just simply means I'll be the bigger person, I'll be the bigger man, the bigger woman, um, I'll reach out and, and help somebody who needs help. But it also means something spiritually to everybody. Live on the higher road means, you know, giving... Uh, giving due to to the great power around us and within us that is meaningful to us in life. I don't understand it all, Matt. I don't. I don't. I don't have full understanding of of how it all works. Right. But one thing I do know is that is that I don't run my life. I don't run my life. I can get in the way of my life. Oh yeah. But I simply don't run my life. And oftentimes the high road is simply just not getting in your own way and letting that higher road come through. Mm. Uh, number six, practice goodwill, live in gratitude. Well, that's my favorite one because I work for goodwill. Goodwill, that's right. <laughs> 
but you know, practicing goodwill just is doing good work, and it's and it's and it's something that I love about people, particularly during this time of year. People get in a joyful mood, although when they rush through, you know, late night uh, shopping frenzies and that sort of thing, it can all break down so very quickly. Oh yeah. Uh, practice goodwill. You have an opportunity every single day, probably every single every single minute or two, to do an act of goodwill. Uh, live with live with that live with that in your mind. Learn how to practice goodwill, and um, and 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 good things will come to you. Mm. Beautiful. Last but not least, number seven: live with faith. Yeah. So this is really the foundation of everything for me. Um, and I, I think if we learn to give our life to a higher power, um, and if we learn to live with a certain humbleness and a certain gratitude for all that we're given. And granted, we all want more, and granted, we all could use more. But look, if we can just sit back and really look at all what we really truly have, um, then all of a sudden we come from this place of gratitude and appreciation. And, and, uh, and whatever your faith is, whatever the foundation is, have a spiritual practice every single day, every single day, morning or night or whatever time works for you. Um, that, that spiritual practice is the one thing that will keep us grounded and, and keep us living in this attitude of, of gratitude and faith. Hmm. And that way we'll become the person that we want to become, and other people will notice that, and they will want to follow you. And that's Love when it. you know that you've stepped into your leadership. That's it. And, I mean, talk about a great Christmas message. The book, uh, again, is The Alchemy of Authentic Leadership. And, Stephen, I guess they can just go to your website, The Alchemy. No, it's Alchemy of Authentic Leadership. Yeah, the Alchemy of Authentic Leadership. Com. They can go to any bookstore if they want. There's an ebook out there. I think it's about 3 or $4 that they can order from Amazon or Barnes & Noble, any place like that. Uh, or if it's not in this book, it's it's in a lot of places. That's it's great. in a lot of places. Uh, it, it, this isn't knowledge that that is that is brand new. We just kind of repackaged a lot of things. Um, but you know, the idea is be the leader of your own life, and and leadership will find you. Yeah. it will find you. And uh, that is just that's our message. Good work, Steve. So appreciate you being on the show, and uh, have a happy holiday season as well. Oh, the same to you, Matt. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk with you. And thanks for taking care of Goodwill. I think those are some key points that Dr. Mundahl and Matt brought up that I hope not only our political leaders take into consideration, but each one of us in our individual spheres of responsibility. I love this idea of moral authority and that authentic leadership really starts with you identifying your why, your motives, and your values, and that as you live true to yourself, Others will recognize that, and leadership opportunities will come to you and be expected of you. Well, thanks for listening to today's episode, everyone. Remember that no matter how many people tell you leadership and power comes from how wealthy you are or how smart or experienced or how much you can beat down your opponent, authentic, impacting leadership and rising to the top comes from who you are. I'm Leanna Tan, bringing you the best tidbits to help you live healthier, happier lives. Join me again next time for another episode of Matt Townsend.